been a fun, wild, and crazy ride. Crazy and ride. We're at that point where we need a little bit of boost, so we're doing a Kickstarter. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. We need your help. We have come to a place where we could use a little bit of love, love to get this thing open. Um, so, this, today. Today. Right now. We're putting this out Monday. It's live right now. For one month, we have the opportunity to collaborate with you on some special projects called Getting Cat Cloud Open. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to help? Because we need it. And just so everybody knows where we're at, first of all, thanks for the support with everything we've been doing. We've got all of our own personal money into this thing. We have a small little SBA loan that we're working with. And it looks like we're going to need a little bit more to finish the project and get open and share our coffee with the community of, of Santa Cruz. So it's Jared, Charles, and myself. We don't have any outside investment, and there's a reason for that. We really believe in taking full ownership of our company so that we can be creative in the ways we want to be and not have to compromise the values and things that we believe in. And it's some of those same things that we talk about on the podcast all the time. And we know that y'all know what we're about. So investment money is definitely not an option for us. And it's humbling to ask for money. And feels a little weird. Feels a little weird. But, you know, we were putting together the video and started getting really excited about it and i think we got some cool prizes we got some good prizes lined up there's there's some of the standard stuff um there's a couple know, special mugs, ones shirts but all the mugs and shirt every merch item that's associated with the kickstarter will be a one-off item you'll only be able to get it through the kickstarter program um and then some of the bigger prizes are in the, in the vein yeah, of go, come go, to origin with us yeah, go go to, go to the old thing and check it out kickstarter, kickstarter. it's cat cloud coffee yeah, so you can get to it via our website at catandcloud.com, and there will be a big, huge banner that will link to the Kickstarter campaign. That's the best way to get it. We're recording this before the campaign is launched. This is Thursday. It launches 5th. this Monday, the It's 9th. launching the 9th, which is today if you're listening to this, and we don't have the URL yet. So yep. I could give you that link, but I physically can't unless time travel happens. We'll put it, we'll put it in the... Uh, in the uploaded podcast dealio right we can put oh this is terrible. yeah we'll put it in the we'll put it in the show notes we'll put it in the show notes. show notes we'll put it in the show notes we'll put it on instagram and basically everywhere you can find it and if you can donate and help us out that's super awesome we're really really grateful if you can't go on over and watch the video anyway because it's fun it's pretty fun and it'll really give good. you a better idea of, of who we are i know you hear our voices all the time but video is just a whole Whole nother level. Get to see Jared's handsome face. I also, yeah, I have a quick moment moment at the beginning where I'm kind of staring into space, just thinking about all the opportunity. You're just like, <laughs> what could I do? Imagine the possibilities. The possibilities are endless, people. So, thank it, you, thank you for your time and listening. If you don't know our our social media stuff, it's Cat Cloud Coffee on pretty much every single thing. Um, we're on Facebook, Cat and Cloud. Um, that just look that up. We're the only ones there. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to reach us by email, info at catandcloud.com. Get ready because we're going to have a barn burner of an episode ahead of you with uh, a team from another podcast called Opposites Extract. Come yeah. this Friday. Check them out. They're going to release their portion of um, our dual episode. Yeah, we're doing a two-parter. So we're today. They're on Friday. Opposites Extract. And I just... The podcast for us has been a really huge success and we have a lot of listeners and that's all because of everyone here listening and we 
really appreciate that. It allows us to do other things and keeps us inspired. So, you know, just to kind of bring this stuff to you, it, I feel like we have a personal connection with the yep. people. It's weird. You know, if you have your headphones in, like we're physically in your ears and it, it feels kind of cool. And we know with the Kickstarter, not everyone's always in a position to give, which you totally understand. But if you, you know, you like watch the video, you're like, oh, that's funny. And you can't give, even if you just share it on yeah. Facebook. Send it out to your buds. Post a link. That means a lot to us. And we, we appreciate that. Yep. So anyways, thank you guys so much and get ready to listen to some hotness. Um, and uh, we'll just keep you updated on how it's going and tell you all sorts of cool stories about people helping people. <laughs> people are people, so why should it be? And now, on to Two Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. We come together because opposites extract you know. You heard it here first. And that's Meister. why my personality sucks. Meister, looks, looks are everything, and that's why you're my favorite you're person. welcome, world. Love, Joe Morocco. <laughs> All right, hello everybody. Let's do it. Oh, oh, good? sorry. Good? I was sorry. just gonna jump in. No, yeah. jump, jump, jump. jump. For you, my are love. you? Are you good? Jump for my love. Jump in. <laughs> I love that song. It's so good. So good. Uh-oh. So good. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Chris Baca looking at Jared Truby sitting on the kitchen counter, and we are on a magical Skype call with two really awesome human beings named Joe Morocco and Aaron Meister. They work for Cafe Imports. They sell you awesome green coffee. They educate you about green coffee. I've known both of them for years, and they have a diverse skill set that I'm not even going to get into yet. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. Thanks. Hey, thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So if you are jumping in right now and listening to this, this is basically the second part of a two-part Cross up, mash up. You never cross streams, except in this case, you do. These two radical dudes were nice enough to host us on their podcast and uh, ask us some really, really kick buns questions. And I suggest you go over, open up your podcast app, and type in Opposites Extract. You should subscribe to their podcast and you know, maybe just start by listening to the episode of ours that's up because that might be, you know, a really great place to start. But thanks for having us on. That was super fun. Yeah, it was oh, great. Man. Thank you for having us on. I um, can't think of any more collaborative folk than you two. So Except it was maybe a pleasure. Us. Well, yeah, maybe us. You guys are pretty good at collabing. Collab. That's right. Prolab. It's a professional collaboration. Spro a lot of lab. Spro lab. Oh, oh. good one. Dang. It's not Coming my first Sprodeo. Not your first Sprodeo. <laughs> Two tickets to the Sprodeo, please. <laughs> Going to go down on Sprodeo Drive and get some really nice wares. <laughs> oh, for, man. For all y'all who don't know the uh, kind of the format, it's kind of a debate format on the opposites, opposites extract. And uh, they forced me to talk negatively. Ab- not, not, they forced, <laughs> they forced <laughs> me to take a stance that I'm very uncomfortable with. And it was very fun for me. I got to play a character. It was really cool. Um, you took it in a deep direction. I just started getting angry as possible. It was good. <laughs> it was real good. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But but they threw out a bu- we had a bunch of great questions we were going to debate and there's a couple that we'll probably swing in here but before we do that let's let's learn a little bit more about who these human beings are. I mean obviously they sell green coffee and whatnot but um I guess you know there's two of you but can you guys each kind of tell us like 
how long you've been in coffee and what was what like what kind of was the the catalyst for saying i want to do coffee for my life the cat and clouder list the cowl the catalyst (laughs) what's your cat fact you're just sucking up to the hosts i love joe morocco (laughs) by the way i'm gonna bring some cloud facts into this podcast just beam it up to the clouds some yep. cloud cover then everybody instead of have cat it. facts. We're you would do some cloud facts. like put me with the cats like I'm some kind of crazy cat lady. <laughs> You'd make me come up with cat. Uh, my favorite cat um, fact is there was a movie in the in the late 80s, early 90s called Strays. It's one of my favorite horror movies. And it's about a family that moves into a house that's overrun with stray cats. <laughs> Every time I talk to Meister, I like her more and more <laughs> because of the knowledge bombs. <laughs> There's an, there's an epic Strays. battle at the end where the cats are like attacking the house by crawling through the air ve- vents in the like central air. Dude, it's like, it's like arachnophobia. Exactly. Yeah. I was it is. Say the same yeah. thing. <laughs> it is, but with cats. A cat-nophobia. A cat-nophobia. Oh, man. We are vibing. <laughs> so, Meister, let's, let's start with you. I Man, I'm trying to think of the first time I met you, but I've known you for years and years and years. How did you get your start in coffee? Where did you come from? Where did, where did I come from? Um, I got my starting coffee in Boston, um, where I worked at a, ca- at a cafe in, uh, when I was in college, um, for several years. And then I moved to New York city where I guess I really got my start in specialty at Joe in New York. The um, art of coffee. The art yeah. Of- Joe, the art of coffee, which the owner hates that it's called the art of coffee. So we should probably avoid calling it that. Okay. <laughs> Though it is artful coffee. Is that not part of the official name or? It is and it isn't. It is. Oh, all right. So Joe is for those in the know. Yeah, it's kind of like my first name. Like the art of coffee is basically the cafe equivalent of Aaron. Gotcha. No one, no one uses it. Right. They're like, have you talked to Aaron? Yeah. Who? Except our moms when they're mad at us. <laughs> Joe, oh, yeah. the art of coffee. <laughs> That's when my mom yells at me. You come back here right now. <laughs> Joe, the art of coffee. <laughs> Do you want me to bust out my perfect Boston accent? And oh wait, no, you're in New York now. <laughs> um, but yeah, then from Joe, where I worked for like four or five years full time, I, I moved on to Counterculture, where I was a wholesale rep for a long time in New York City, and did education stuff there. And then, exactly a year ago, yesterday, May the fourth, two thousand fifteen, I moved to um, Cafe Imports here in sunny Minneapolis. Say the pun, Aaron. Say the pun. You're like, may the fourth be with you. Oh, man. <laughs> and you just a- called me Aaron. Am I in trouble? Oh, I'm a D. Oh. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> Why don't you call me Meister the Art of Coffee? I've actually <laughs> never called you Meister, or Aaron in my life until Chris introduced you as that. Now I'm ruined somehow. <laughs> Meister fun. the Art of Coffee. <laughs> You've meistered it. That's for sure. So you went from being a barista, doing some education training and now you're in a completely different zone so you work for a, a importing company how how has that changed the way you look at the industry do you view everything through different goggles or do you find like oh this is more of what i've done before just in a different light oh wow that's a great question that is something i think about on the daily the fact that basically every job that i've had obviously i mean this is what you want out of life right is every job that you have to give you an increased sense of perspective and to like pull back a little bit on the camera at every, at every, every scene, I guess. Um, and working from going from working with a roaster to working with an importing company, it has like completely blown my mind apart in a million different ways because I was always kind of, um, 
sheltered, I guess, from a lot of the logistics that go into coffee. And, you know, even now working with Cafe Imports, which is a really high quality, really focused um, specialty importer, like realizing that there's also this other layer of coffee, even bigger and beyond what we what we do because we're so focused and so small and so specialized. Um, even just having that in my mind and having a small taste of it really hammers home the importance of everything that everyone along the supply chain does. Like it makes the importance of the barista and the importance of the roaster and the importance of the green buyer um, as apparent to me as the information about the other end of the supply chain, like the importance of the grower, the importance of the terroir and the importance of the exporter. Like it just makes it all really, really keen and really in focus in a way that I wasn't really anticipating. Um, there's a lot of levels to coffee that you don't really know until you're actually there. Yep. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say there's levels to this shit. I remember trying to figure out back in the day, you're like, wow, brewing coffee is really complex. <laughs> and us as, you know, with the barista hats on, we're like, man, how are we ever going to figure out how this espresso thing works? And that's just, you know, one little tidbit of what's going on in the entire world of coffee. And, Joe, you have a roasting background, so your background is a little different, correct? I do. I went from uh, being a barista. I started as a barista. Um, actually, I started uh, my first real gaze into the the abyss of specialty coffee was way back in like 2001 when I went to Nicaragua on a trip, a more philanthropic trip, um, working with some farmers up in Nueva Segovia, and they were trying to co-op um, they were trying to become organic certified, and I was really just kind of like along for the ride, watching from afar and playing with the kids and hanging out. But um, it really opened my eyes to the world of coffee. Whenever I came back from that trip, I dove into specialty coffee more as a consumer and then um, had a career change and needed to figure things out. I went back to college, and whenever I went back to college for philosophy... Um, which doesn't pay very well. <laughs> um, I uh, decided to start working at a little cafe and put some of my knowledge into practice and started learning from that. And this was, I was in St. Louis at the time that I went on that trip, life-changing trip, and then uh, eventually found my way in Cape Girardeau, Missouri after getting married, my wife going back to school there as well. Um, and there was just this little cafe that I started pulling shots in and, and, um, you know, making, making drinks in and became really good at it and started doing things like, you know, I would travel up to Chicago for a light latte art competition or Atlanta for a latte art competition or, you know, do things like that. Um, plugging in where I could from my far out reaches and would go up to St. Louis regularly to call these coffee roasting company to participate in their cuppings and learn as much as I possibly could. My sister was actually working for them at a cafe, um, helping with some management stuff and um, helping get a new venture off the ground for them. And so I kind of knew the people at Caldi's and they offered me a position as a roaster, trained me up in roasting. Um, that was in 2008. And then which was about three years after I'd started at the other cafe. Um, so no longer went to school, just focused on coffee and uh, became 
a roaster there and then moved into training more, putting the roasting knowledge in with the barista knowledge that I had and eventually became the director of education for that company um, before moving on to Cafe Imports. I also did the barista competition stuff, um, which was a blast. Uh, volunteered for a few years, then competed for a few years, then judged for a few years. Um, helped out with BGA, you know, doing some chapter representative stuff. So just tried to get into as much trouble in coffee as I possibly could as quickly as I could. And now I've been at Cafe Imports for this September will be five years. Man, I remember you at that. Uh, in Houston is the first major memory of you, Mr. Joe Morocco. And I remember back in the day, I was far more intimidated by all the people in the coffee industry. I feel like maybe everybody was putting off kind of like a more intimidating vibe for how fun it was. But there was, I felt like it was... There was more like there was more competition in an unfriendly way, even though there was like a friendly, there was like a friendly group. But anyway, I remember you. You had a great performance, but you were also really warm. And I remember being like, "Okay, this guy's really good. He's definitely a competition. Like for me, he's gonna do well in this competition." But I like him still, and I really was like, "He doesn't have this thing where he's unable to connect with you on a human level because we're at this big." show and so i just i gotta tell you that i appreciated that and i, I mean i think everybody knows at this point that you're a great guy stand up dude and you're in oh, it for the right you. reasons but you guys uh, are sweethearts no, yeah that's a hot endorsement i think that houston show was maybe the turning point for a lot of that i felt it you know at the national competitions before that and then that houston show it seemed like things kind of took a turn toward a little bit more warmth maybe it was the houston southern vibe and then after that i think everybody is pretty tight and in barista competition world for the most part yeah no I, it, it changed a lot i think it's funny because i i remember especially meeting you chris baca in minneapolis the only time that i was in minneapolis before i moved here actually um at that uh SCAA. and you 2008 were, yeah you were competing in that one. Oh yeah it was a train wreck oh i know it was great i was uh, having some mental issues at the time <laughs> But, <laughs> we we all were in 2008. Right. Right. Um, but I remember that one feeling a little bit the same way. Like there was a kind of edgy nervousness to everybody. We didn't know how to interact with each other. It was almost like we had just, we were, we were like just hatching and we didn't know, we didn't exactly know each other's language sort of. Mm -hmm. um, but you were very different. You You definitely felt like one of the warmer, like, you you seemed like you knew everybody and knew how to interact with everybody, and I was just like, me. And that was oh, back man. in the day when like Barista Magazine was just starting. Yeah, there was. I mean, Sprudge was fledgling. There wasn't a lot of connective tissue to um, the industry back then between people, and so the only time that we really saw each other was at those events, and we would spend so much time preparing and then you get up there with a bunch of people that you really didn't know and you were trying to get to know them but you were also trying to destroy them in a competition and it was just kind of weird i think with the onset of a lot um more media and a lot more connection through things like twitter and facebook as believe it or not as, as uh, mundane as that may sound now it really has allowed people to develop some some um strong friendships Oh, yeah, for sure. Social media definitely changed the game for that barista, third wave, specialty, coffee, whatever you want to call it, culture. Because there was the BGA forum, which was kind of sparsely populated at the time. And then if you were a really cool kid, maybe you were on the coffee forum. 
Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, Alistair ran and that was like the that was like the hot spot. But other than that, nobody was talking to each other on a regular basis. And I think that we all felt at the time that like this is it and we're all in a weird way competing with each other. And if you know, you would have asked me in 2007, 2008, be like, hey, is there going to be a big specialty boom? And, you know, specialty roasters will be a dime a dozen. I would have been like, no, no way. This is it. We're, we're here. We're done. Market's saturated. It's so not true. There's just so many things happening right now. And it's kind of amazing. Yeah. The, awesome. the industry's definitely changed a lot. And I de- I'm glad it has. I just, it's like arguably, even though there's probably a good heart behind it, things like, uh, coffeed when you when you had to be invited to even be on there and accepted you know those kind of forums they they accidentally put out a vibe of like we're not approachable or if you're not on this level like you're not allowed to talk to us and and for me actually that was a big intimidator of going to the shows before like chris you got to go to minneapolis and i think you got in early but i was still like trying to start verve and i felt like this little kid and i'd go to these things and then there'd be all these people who were on coffeed and I wasn't on coffees, and so they all knew each other. And I was like, "You guys, I I want to offer something and learn something." And there was this this feeling of like, I don't know if I'm allowed to be on that level or not. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> anyway, I'm really glad it's changed. Um, I think. Well, I think. Yeah. Oh no, you go. No, no, no. I was gonna I was gonna jump off and and continue just like the soft theme because and just continue the a couple questions that we could all discuss together that to to roll over from their episode to our episode. Oh, you're going to roll over? Slight, slight roll over, but... It's, slight little roll over? finish up your thought, Chris. Well, I was just thinking about times gone by in the past, and I, I feel like right now we're at a really cool point because there's so many more barriers that are being broken down that people can understand each other. So you two work for a green importing company. And, you know, in 2007, the people that I associated to, like, who I thought about working at green importing companies, I'm like, okay, these people are old and crusty and they don't actually understand like what we're going to do with coffee whether or not that was the case that's just how i felt you know well maybe kids feel like that now well maybe they do but the cool thing so i mean you have both seen the entire picture so you can relate to a barista because you've been a barista you can relate to educator you can relate to roaster because you've been all those things is Mm -hmm. that do you see that as a a huge asset and maybe like selling point for you to be able to do the jobs that you do 100%. Yeah. I mean, for, for me personally, it sales is kind of a weird thing here at cafe imports. It's not really about like drumming up a bunch of sales. It's more about finding the fit that is correct. You know, we have all of these coffees. These coffees are not going to be thrown in the trash can. Somebody will buy them at some point. It's just figuring out um, how we can best connect the company that best fits with that coffee. Kind of like what we were talking about on the other um, podcast about connecting a customer with a menu. It's kind of the same thing with the roaster in our menu. Um, So having a deeper understanding of things as basic as extraction and um, profiling a coffee on a roaster allows me to really dig deep into what a customer is doing with their coffee and having the information from the green side, understanding flavor profiles and uh, processing and all of the things that go into creating a green coffee and having that quality potential in a particular coffee um, informs my ability to suggest a coffee that is very successful 
to the roaster. I feel like the supply chain is a um, a system that is set up from one link to the next to bring success to the next link in the chain. So the farmer is setting up the tree for successful growth um, and the picker is setting up the mill for successful processing. The mill is setting up the dry mill for successful hulling um, and the dry mill is setting up the shipment of that coffee to be successful. And we as an importer are setting up the roaster along with all of that supply chain behind us for successful roasting. And they are setting up that roasted coffee for the barista to have success, who is then turning it into the final product so that that customer has a big old smile on their face. So we are, we are a link in the chain, but we're also kind of integrated into that chain to help manage that success and having the ability to um, extend from the barista side all the way to the farm side allows us to ensure that that success is, is realized. That's- yeah. And I mean, for, for me, actually, it's been really interesting because I'm, you know, I'm the newest member of the sales team here and I had never worked in green before and I had never had to buy co- green coffee for a coffee roaster. And so part of what has been really amazing for me is realizing how scared people are to buy coffee from an importer and how big these decisions are and realizing that like a lot of the brand new roasters or a lot of the really, really small roasters are just as scared to buy coffee from me as I am to sell it to them because I'm really as scared of doing the wrong thing. Um, you know, in that way that you are when you, you start a job, um, in a new, in a totally new avenue or a totally new position. And as I've gotten more comfortable and as I've gotten more capable, um, and feeling, you know, more confident and learning a ton about, um, selling green coffee, it's been really valuable to me to make the connection with a roaster and to say, Hey, I totally know how you're feeling. And you, we're going to we'll talk this out. We're going to take time and we're going to taste coffees and we're going to talk about what you need. And, and it, that's okay. I mean, we're going to find you what you need. Like, just like Joe saying, it's, it's really about helping someone get, you know, they need coffee. I have coffee. This makes sense, right? I don't have to walk around like wearing a trench coat going, Hey, you want to buy coffee? You want to buy coffee? You want to buy coffee? Um, but I find that, you know. But she does that sometimes. I do sometimes. <laughs> I can it's, see that now. Yeah, 50 samples in a trench coat just weighed down. And just wearing a trench coat, it's really weird. <laughs> People don't know where to look, you know. <laughs> Beans hanging everywhere. <laughs> That's what you call them? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, it's been really interesting because I definitely had this impression of like, and I still kind of do, importers being traitors, like, suits and ties and big deals and buy, sell, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it's definitely not what we do or who we are. Well, I mean, something I've always appreciated about Cafe Imports, you mentioned it is you take time, but I mean, I don't, a lot of people maybe don't know who Cafe Imports is and a lot of people do who listen to our podcast, but Cafe Imports is, I mean, you guys as a company invest a lot of time and it feels like you're really intentional about where you're involved. I mean, Honestly, if it wasn't for Cafe Imports, I still – actually, that's not true because we went to Guatemala. But I wouldn't have gone to Origin until this year starting my own company. Um, and that's because I got to win a regional and you guys had invested the time and energy and resources in wanting to connect that supply chain. I mean, Joe, you spoke actually really well and you broke it down really easily for people who don't know how coffee gets from the tree to your mouth, basically. You broke that all down for people and, and – 
and a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of steps in that supply chain and I just really appreciate that I mean you guys show up to to shows your staff is insane and that's I'm not I'm not even trying to plug it every single person um, on from cafe imports has always been really really approachable and fun we've done dinners over the years and it's just been like it's been easy to connect and be friends which I think the best companies will do they'll put people together that are able to connect with other people on a human level first which therein benefits every single part of your supply chain in a business and hopefully supply chain all the way you know to that to that tree and so i just i guess i'm saying thank you but i also do you guys do you guys talk about that do you have like a company like company values do you have you know is there something something there where you you get hired and you're like okay this is who we are and what we're about besides obviously we quote unquote sell green coffee to human beings oh yeah absolutely um there there are company values that are kind of posted and on our website which are 100% true and we definitely live by and live for but there are other company values that are a little bit more personal and that are in our conversation with each other day to day one of those company values is to just do good Um, Noah says it all the time Noah's our VP of sales here and kind of our our leader and he his motto is do good Um, do good yourself first do good to your coworkers next and then do good to your customers last because if we are doing good to ourselves, then we'll be capable of spreading that outward. Um, if we're doing good to each other within the office, then we're capable of, of overflowing that outward. If we focus on the customer first and really you know, drill down into, into pouring everything out for them, then there's nothing left within ourselves. So you know, whenever I, whenever I clock out, actually right after this podcast, um, I have to take my kids to the dentist. I have to take my kids to the doctor. Um, and the rest of the team is totally cool. Right now, the rest of the team is, is, you know, selling coffee on our behalf, working with our customers while we're on this podcast. So we're doing good to ourselves. We're doing good to each other. And then we're able to really be whole people and well enough to do good by our customers. And that, that's the kind of stuff that, um, goes way above and beyond just having a sales goal or having some kind of businessy, you know, strategy in place. We are creating healthy people, and through the health of our of our um, selves and our uh, relationships, we're able to bring more and more people into that because coffee is something a little bit beyond just, you know, selling watches or selling bikes or something like that. It is a product that requires a lot of care and attention. There's a guy named Jacques who works at Carmel Coffees down in in Brazil who said it really well where he said, um, especially coffee is really hard. You know, it's not easy. If you don't care a lot about specialty coffee and the people that are involved, you are not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I definitely also think that there is um, this culture that exists here and I think that exists in the best and most healthy companies, which is the people who are here are here because they want to work with each other. You know, we see the leaders of, of Cafe Imports, the leaders of this company, the founders and the owners and um, different, you know, directors of different departments all lead by example. They're probably the most genuine and most caring people on and off the floor, I think that I've I've 
really encountered in, in specialty coffee, especially, I mean, again, this is not what you, you don't necessarily think of an importing company as being like huggy, lovey, friendly, you know, but I think we do have a culture here and then, you know, of, of that kind of camaraderie and that really genuinely caring about each other. And that extends to everything, you know, if you all care about each other inside the building, why wouldn't you care about each other outside the building or uh, other people that make that, um, make that business operation possible? Meister yeah. and I have just been holding each other this whole time. Yeah. Oh. I'm the big spoon. You'd be shocked. To no, hear. no, no. Joe's like, I feel so small in your arms. <laughs> it's a very tender moment. It's a safe place. It's always a safe place. No, I feel like, I mean, the best service and the best opportunities, I, I feel like, I would be maybe speaking out of line, but I assume that to get hired at Cafe Imports is actually really hard. And there's probably a reason if you don't protect what you have or if you force, you know, bring people on onto a team just because you need somebody. I mean, you're essentially setting yourself up for a, a world of hurt. And I think you guys have done an amazing job protecting that and fostering. I'm down with I'm down with Huggy family. I mean, my argument in general is if we can get people to feel anything through our business, then we're winning. And I think that that starts with the people you work with and what you foster internally. And if everybody feels something for everybody in, in their, or, you know, at least something, if you have like a company of 50 to a hundred people, it's, you know, you're not going to be able to feel as tight with everybody as you do. Maybe Joe and Meister in the, in the cuddle zone, but you need to be able to, <laughs> You need to be able to notice I didn't call you Aaron. You're not in trouble. <laughs> you guys can refer to us as dog and fog oh, on this podcast. Dog and fog. Dog fog. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, what I'm getting at is that you... <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are huggy. I've gotten distracted now. I'm thinking of dogs and fogs and cats and clouds and uh, whatever <laughs> pun joke I could mix. I just keep thinking about Aaron getting into trouble. Like, <laughs> like at the end, like... All right, guys, everything's good. Aaron, could you just stay on the line for just a couple minutes? I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> she would hang up immediately. She like, probably oh. wouldn't even know you were talking about me. My what name is actually Meister, the art of coffee. Yeah, Meister, <laughs> the art of coffee. Gosh. You, guys. you know, and I think the care that we have for each other um, allows us to argue really well. Too. That's huge. You know, it allows us to... Um, discuss some of the more difficult things that a business has to go through. And we have to make a lot of big decisions. And we make those decisions as a group and we hash it out. And I think that, you know, Opposites Extract is kind of born of that sense of we need to be thoughtful in the way that we approach this argument, in the way that we approach this problem that we have in front of us. And we need to come to this with clear, defined logic and not with some kind of chip on our shoulder of who is right and who is wrong, but let's figure this out and let's make the best decision for all of us. So that's another key thing. And also building onto that, we also here, especially at Cafe Imports, have a, we talk about empathy all the time. Empathy being the cornerstone of service. And for me, empathy is something I think about all the time um, because I think people often misunderstand it as um, seeing what someone else is going through and imagining how you would feel in that position if that was happening to you, rather than seeing what someone else is going through and trying to understand where where they are and where their thought process is coming from and wh how that impacts them. Um, and Opposites Extract is definitely born out of that too, this idea that if you can take a point of view that you don't actually hold 
and filter it through an empathetic lens and have to argue on the side of it, um, then think how much more you'll learn and think about how many more connections you can make with people who maybe have a different per- point of view or, or who, who you wouldn't have thought you could see eye to eye with um, before that experience. So I think that definitely also comes out of the way that we all operate here as a team. I like that a lot because the opposing viewpoints are interesting. When I first listened to some of the podcasts, I'm like, okay, here's an interesting take. But in reality, most of the answers that we will actually apply are kind of like a combination of both sides in a lot of cases. It's rarely do we live in this like black and white world where it's like, is the customer always right? Is the customer always wrong? Is, you know, and I just think, yeah, it's interesting to hear. It's interesting for me to hear Jared argue against customer service every time. Well, I mean, to <laughs> Meister's point, I just have a lot to learn. <laughs> no, I think it's good, though. I think understanding... Because I, I do see a lot of that in coffee, and it's one of the things that I really dislike the most is when people often talk in terms of better or worse, whether they're talking about espresso or brewing or customer service and it for me it's less about what's better or worse what's right or wrong but more about what's appropriate for you and what's appropriate for your customer base and maybe what works for us in Santa Cruz is not what you need to do in San Francisco and maybe in Minneapolis it's it's a little bit different and I think that's cool and I love to see that individual stylistic take on like different areas of service coffee whatever mix it up all right, so we got we got about five minutes because I know you guys got some things to do. Let me just for the sake of somewhat continuity, put you guys on the hot seat and ask you one of the questions we are going to debate. Oh yeah, <laughs> and this one is going to make you guys feel the most awkward because you kind of have to do some of these things. So go. Should taste descriptors be used in marketing coffee, such as notes on bags, AirPods, drink menus, or green coffee bags? Who wants to go first? Are we arguing for you, or against? Nope, you, don't, you can just talk just about it. it. Yep, you okay, can just talk great. about it. Give your points great. of view. Even better. Yeah, just make it more open. <laughs> it's, it's for us. That's our style. We're, we're chatters. Joe. I have, I have some <laughs> strong opinions on this, actually. <laughs> go, um, then. Go. But is I, it I, strength I, or extraction, though? <laughs> <laughs> it always it's gonna is be, something. It's going to be strong and overextracted. The yield is high. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, for one dislike putting coffee notes on bags. Um, I do understand it and I can empathize with the position of doing that. However, I feel as though, uh, well, James Hoffman wrote a blog about this a long time ago um, where he said that if you are, if you're throwing out those taste notes, you're writing a contract with your customer. And when they do not discover those taste notes, um, your, your contract is broken. And it may be the case that they don't discover those because they've brewed poorly. Um, It may be that you're not a very good describer of what's actually happening in the coffee. It could be a myriad of things. But regardless, you're setting yourself up for a disconnect with your customer. Um, I feel like giving some insight into how the overall experience with the coffee will be is okay. Um, But sometimes we get so colorful in our language of a coffee description that we forget the fact that a normal person who is just trying to wake up in the morning is going to be drinking this. I like what some companies have done where they kind of color coordinate their coffees or they give indicators as to whether or not the coffee is going to be more of an exciting coffee or whether it's going to be a more soothing coffee. 
Um, those kinds of things I'm all for because you do want to give the customer some insight into the purchase of what makes that coffee special or different or unique. But being very descriptive in a way that we experience coffee in one scenario um, is limiting and can be damaging. Beautiful, Miss Meister. I think that, I mean, a lot of the things that Joe said, uh, I definitely agree with. Um, I actually had a really interesting conversation with the woman who developed the uh, wine taster's flavor wheel. We were talking about the creation of that, that sort of lexicon for wine and how her like main inspiration for it was to, to drive professional wine tasters away from using evocative language, language like rich or bold or smooth. And I think that um, because those aren't quantifiable, right? Like what is smooth? Um, are you tasting that or is that a sensation? And I can't, you know, I can't crawl into your tongue to know what that feels like. It, it's meaningless kind of to a certain extent. And I think that there, there is a tendency toward using taster notes um, as, a, as almost like adjectives in bad writing, like where the adjective actually isn't necessary, but we feel like it's necessary to make ourselves sound more intelligent or sound more like experts when really fundamentally what the coffee tastes like is coffee, right? So how do you describe how coffees can taste different from one another um, without just saying that they all taste like coffee? And I don't know that we've, as a group or as an industry or as a niche of an industry, really found the way to appropriately do that. But the thing that I um, come down to is like the, the flavors that exist in coffee are not arbitrary just because at a certain point I might not fully chemically or aromatically understand what those compounds are that create those flavors or what the enzymatic processes are that create those flavors. I know that something did. And so I know that they're not made up. But the more that we use language that sounds like made up tastes or sounds like someone's just using these these tasting terms as marketing, um, the more we drive customers away with that language. So I don't have an answer for the problem, but I think the problem is that we have so far disconnected ourselves from what those flavors, what causes those flavors and how to communicate that information to a customer that the language that we use often falls into cute um, and cute might sell coffee, but it doesn't necessarily sell people on coffee, if that makes sense. That's, it'll go, you know, Joe's got more. I and uh, I think that we have noticed some of those things within the industry. And so we've started to include more in-depth yeah. information like processing, um, variety type, uh, where the coffee is grown, who grew the coffee, vintage of the coffee even. We're starting to see a lot of companies put information on the bag like this was harvested on this date. This was imported by this company and a lot of information that may be kind of over the top and is even clouding the information more because most people are not going to know what you mean by um, honey, you know, yellow honey processed on this date, you know, on this farm. They don't know how, how to um, categorize that into what that's going to give them as a flavor sensation. Uh, it takes a lot of time with customers one-on-one -on -one or with very high-tech um, marketing material that can educate a person on what all of that means for any of that to make any sense. And so often 
those flavor notes and those um, those points of transparency on a bag become more about marketing to ourselves within the industry than it does to marketing to an individual. And if it's all marketing, it's kind of lame anyway, right? I mean, it should be more about a conversation and it should be like, this is what this copy is. Try it. And if you like it, buy more of it kind of thing. <laughs> it's funny that you'd say that we're like using that marketing for ourselves because as you're talking, I'm thinking about how I buy wine as opposed to how I buy coffee. Mm-hmm. When I buy wine, if it doesn't have flavor notes on it, I'm not going to buy the, I'm, I don't, I honestly don't care like what the variety, like there are certain things that I look for in a wine. Like I, I'm just smart enough to be dangerous about wine, right? So I know <laughs> that I want like an Italian wine and I know that I want it to have plummy notes. Boom, done. I don't care who the farmer is. I don't care what the variety is. I don't care what the micro region is. But you, packaging, does it matter? Yeah, I won't buy wine that has like scripty fonts. <laughs> <laughs> but in coffee. It's like too old school. You're like, no, nah, yeah, I'm, like I'm not even messing with I that. I can't even read that. Is that an effigy? Um, and I, in coffee, I often find myself still like being drawn to certain coffees because I trust a roaster, because I trust, um, you know, the producer. I know them. But like I want all that information to be on the bag. But nine times out of ten, I don't even look at it. And the trouble is with wine, it's a bottled, finished thing yeah. that you pour. Yep. Whereas with coffee, you have to still do something, yeah. you know, and you have to have the ability to maximize the potential within that bag. And so then that customer, who's the, who are they going to blame if they bring that bag of coffee home? Are they going to blame themselves and feel like they're, you know, missing something? Or are they going to blame their brewing device or are they going to blame you the roaster who wrote the wrong thing on the bag because maybe the customer has a better palate than you <laughs> or yeah. you know it creates static yeah they're having i mean it's, you see that a lot in the home espresso field because mm-hmm. it's tricky to do home espresso well you need decently expensive equipment and a decent knowledge base so even if you've done everything right from you know Growing, picking, sourcing, processing, importing, roasting. You hand it off to someone who maybe knows how to make espresso, maybe doesn't. And they're like, dude, it doesn't taste like what you said at all. And it's you're lying to me. But Absolutely. I, I, like, I like minimal information on bags just to throw my thing in there. I, I like the flavor notes, but I don't want them to like, be um, obtrusive or to block out like, the main info. I'm all about like levels of accessibility because a lot of times it just creates confusion. You've got five coffees on the shelf that all have notes that have some kind of like fruit and floral thing and then people are like, are these basically all the same? I don't know where I'm going here. What's you know plum versus peach versus lavender versus jasmine versus what the hell is going on? Um, it gets weird fast. And at the end of the so day, true. you can't drink it and get drunk. So people are going to be a lot more angry when their yeah. coffee doesn't taste that good. So true. <laughs> There's, they're just going to be more high, high strung and be, wish they drank something tastier. Yeah, I like that. Like, they get the coffee, think it's delicious. Then they'll, if they want to know more and they think it's awesome enough to want to know more, they can ask you. And you should know all of that stuff, but you don't necessarily have to shove it down people's throats every time. But a lot of, a lot of people in our industry are... This is going to sound bad, but I think insecure in what they do in a way. It's like they want to prove that they're doing quality. Like, no, this is different coffee. This is on a different level. 
And, you know, by having fancy descriptions is one of the ways that they can prove that, look, we're a craft company. We're not just your run of the mill. So that may be well-intentioned, but sometimes over the top. Yeah. I'm totally. also for simplicity, which is why I only have one name. I think that... Uh, <laughs> I don't need all these descriptors. <laughs> if I were... I always try to empathize. So I, I understand that there is a monster that we have created that we kind of have to have descriptors now. But I think that if I were to own a coffee shop, roasting company and I were to be forced to put descriptors on a bag um, I would maybe go about it like this if you like lemonade try this coffee if you like a Snickers bar try this coffee something like that where you're drawing kind of a parallel to something else um, that that paints a picture of what could be possible with this coffee but may not be exact um, you're definitely I like that a lot. Yeah, That's great. Like that. If you like minestrone soup. <laughs> yes. But here's the well, thing. You're also talking about roasting at that point too, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And how you brew. See, okay, so this is where I always have my problems. Is how you brew your coffee in your cafe where you can control that experience. You could probably be fairly accurate and convince people in a way where you don't, you know, you're not smoking mirrors in them. You can be like, okay, you see where I'm tasting this at the beginning and this, and you kind of do it in barista competitions. And then that's, that's the whole point. But then somebody takes that same coffee home and they blast out their blade grinder and their tap water and it tastes nothing like your experience. And that's where I struggle because I'm like, there's no way to, there's no way to accurately, your, your advice is probably by far the closest we could get to you know, grandma who goes home and throws it in a blade grinder and puts it in her percolator and is like, oh man, this is some weird coffee. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant because at that, with, with Joe's talking about, there is no contract. You know what I mean? Yep. Like Hoffman right. talks about, there's no contract that says this is going to taste like jasmine, citrus, and whatever. It's just like, you know, if, you know, maybe it's a darker roasted coffee. If you like dark chocolate candy bars, this might be up your alley. And then, you know, if you give them something that's light, underdeveloped and like a zingy, weird coffee, then, you know, you're just messing up. But as long as you kind of get in the zone, it's, you know, it steers people where they need to go. It's a net. It's a net. Wheatgrass smoothies. (laughs) This is your (laughs) If you like bell peppers and onions. (laughs) If you like protein shakes. If you like fajitas. (laughs) Awesome. If you like fajitas, go talk to Meister. She'll make you a real nice one. (laughs) I am the master of fajitas. Oh, I want one. Um, I believe the these two have to get to a cupping, Christopher, but George Baca. Is that uh, true? Yes. Thank you, guys. Yeah. What? Should, yeah. You got to plug yourselves. Where do we find you? www.oppositesextract.com. Do you have social media? Right. We do. Um, we have our personal Instagram accounts. I am Roaster Joe, and you can also follow me on Twitter at that handle. And I'm just Meister, as in... J-U-S-T. As in leave that first name alone, Jared. Yeah. Although lots of people think that my first name is Just, and I tell them that it's short for Justice. That's Justice Meister. (laughs) I am the law. Here to serve. (laughs) Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having us on and for joining us on our podcast. It was a blast. I wish we could do it every week. And we'll see you on Kickstarter. We'll see you on Kickstarter. We it up. Are we going to put this out Monday? Should we just put this out Monday? We're a Friday release. We might put this out before yours. Is that okay? Or is that not acceptable? Uh, That's fine. Totally. Yeah. Because we'll use... Right? I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. There are no rules, right? Who knows, dude? I don't know what we're talking about. We'll just say this. If we're launching this Monday, so come this Friday, you better listen to the Opposites Extract episode. 
There you go. And or you're going to miss out on some epic rants and Jared acting like a total fool. <laughs> Amazing. What you going to do? Act a fool. That was a ludicrous. Hotland. That was ludicrous. All right, guys. All right, guys. Thanks you've been coming. listening to Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This has been Chris Baca and Jared Truby with Just Meister and Roaster Joe over here. Thanks so much for calling in, and we'll see you on the opposite side. Bye. 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 Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Beep. Have a good day. Beep. Go eat. You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Go eat.